welcome to Astrology Hotline, the podcast where we answer your questions about astrology. And today we are uh, continuing to do something a little different from the usual answering questions and continuing with part two of our podcast on the signs of the Zodiac with our special guest, Bonnie of Mayday Astrology. Hey, Bonnie. Hey, everyone. Hi, Bonnie. And of course, Kyle is here with me, as always. Yes, always, forever. How is everyone today on this fine full moon in Cancer evening? Yeah, we're actually recording right on the full moon. Just yeah, it's, it started like it, it went exact, I think. Uh, wow, here anyway, 10 minutes before we started. It did, yeah. It's been a really intense one for me, like on my first house and second, seventh house. Oh, yeah, yeah, I Lots guess. Lots of feelings, yeah. Oh, that's that's every day for me. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> every day is feelings. I'm doing great. Uh, we're recording on a Monday and Monday is the day of the moon. And I always have, uh, I always made a practice of having Mondays off uh, even before I got into astrology. That's great for a cancer rising to have Mondays off. Mm-hmm. And then I get to like, look forward to recording all day. And it's a good time. It's our sacred day. Yeah. I, I've been thinking about making Monday my weekly, no phone day. So that would be my, my day of rest from electronics. Yeah. That's a good idea. That is probably a good idea. Speaking of communications and electronics, I believe we are uh, resuming our discussion of the signs by starting with the uh, Gemini Sagittarius axis. Yes, indeed. Which, um, at least Gemini, is very heavily associated with with communications and uh, Mm -hmm. things like playing with your phone. Yeah, we've got uh, Gemini is a mutable air sign in the northern hemisphere. Gemini happens, the sun moves into Gemini. I was going to say Gemini happens at the end of spring, which is kind of true. But more specifically, the sun moves into Gemini at the end of spring. I think that the Gemini happens. <laughs> the phenomenon of Gemini. The, the Gemini phenomenon occurs. of Gemini. <laughs> And uh, being being ruled by Mercury, which is all about uh, communication and just generally bridging, existing in the space between two worlds is kind of Mercury's thing. And Gemini is appropriately symbolized by the twins who, you know, can be in two places at once. Yeah. And then um, Sagittarius, the, uh, the counterpart to Gemini, would be on the, um, the opposite time of the year. What would that be? Uh, Beginning of, of November. Yeah, yeah. transitioning in, from, from fall, fall to, to winter. winter. Mm-hmm. So it's the, the end of mm-hmm. November. It's basically the whole holiday season, you know, if you're living the in the Thanksgiving party country. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like getting ready, getting, if you celebrate Christmas, your tree is up when Sagittarius season uh, arrives. Yeah. And you're gift shopping and all that kind of stuff. It's uh, lots of festivals of lights happen you know, in December in various traditions. And that's very appropriate for Sagittarius season being, you know, ruled by jolly Jupiter and jolly, generous, gift-giving Jupiter, who's very kind of Santa-like. Actually, it's making me think, um, me wonder which sign likes to shop more. <clears throat> I would think Gemini would like to shop more than Sagittarius. Well, Gemini is like Mercury does rule commerce. It's interesting. So maybe there is, you know, there's one sort of common trait between Gemini and Sagittarius already is actually uh, 
a connection to money, um, which, you know, usually people think of like the earth signs as being the money signs, but um, Sagittarius is definitely about wealth and authority. And, you know, Jupiter is sort of the bestower of wealth and riches and uh, Gemini being ruled by Mercury, the planet of trade and commerce and, you know, money, the sort of the flow of money, buying and selling. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting point because um, see, Gemini and Sagittarius, they're both like they are good at, at bringing money in in different ways. They're kind of like the transactions and the things like around money. I would say like inherently the it's like the, the money isn't necessarily the, the good of those signs, you know, like it's not necessarily like the goal or the, the main prerogative. I think like Gemini would really enjoy the process of like bartering, the process of finding mm. the deal, the, um, the kind of thriftiness of Gemini and um, Sagittarius, like the adventure of shopping, the, the novelty. Like gift giving, you know, Sagittarius is generous and, and wants to, to bestow wealth on others and Gemini is going to, uh, try to strike a deal or a bargain. Yeah. Well, and I guess before we get too deep in, into the signs, uh, I know there's a couple basic things that I wanted to lay out for Gemini and Sagittarius. Just kind of going with what I think we did with the other signs. I can't remember, but um, <laughs> it's, Gemini it's is, uh, yeah, we're moving into our first set of mutable signs, um, mm-hmm. which are double, traditionally called double bodied. Um, the idea that they're, uh, between two natures, which we, you know, we already talked about that stuff, but, um, Gemini is an air sign. Sagittarius is a fire sign. So we're moving into like more active or outward focused signs than the last two, um, Scorpio and Taurus. And, um, I think, uh, one of the things I actually find it really easy to see sometimes almost to my own detriment where. Uh, I feel like Gemini and Sagittarius have a lot in common. Uh, there's a lot of commonality there. Uh, it's like easier to see than some of the others like uh, Taurus and Scorpio. I mean, you can definitely see that definitely harder with maybe Aries and Libra. But I, I wonder if that maybe has something to do with the signs as a pair, not really being involved in the traditional exaltation fall dynamic. Yeah, because Mer- yeah, Mercury and Jupiter um, ruled signs are kind of interesting the way they work um, because, yeah, so like, for example, if you had, because uh, Sagittarius is Jupiter ruled, but if you had a Mercury and Sagittarius, it would be in their, it's detriment. Yeah, detriment. And then if you had um, a Jupiter and Gemini, that would be in their detriment. So they're, it's interesting because they're like, yeah, polar opposite signs and um but what is kind of different with um with uh, the Jupiter and Mercury signs is that they're squaring each other. Yeah. Like the, the way they're placed. It is something I find interesting about Jupiter and Mercury and their signs is like they can't escape each other. They're, they're like yeah. always like in dynamic contact. It actually becomes interesting with anybody with like a mutable rising sign. It's like, well, the ruler of the ruler of the first is always the ruler of another angle, you know, and then the other two angles are mm. ruled by another planet. And so you really can tell a lot about a mutable rising person by the relationship between um, Mercury and Jupiter, because those are the, the planets um, ruling the angles of the chart and their, you know, their interaction is going to say a lot about mm-hmm. the dynamics of their life. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, that's really interesting. Yeah. I guess um, continuing with 
uh, like you're saying, I mean, Gemini is the, it's the called the daytime domicile of Mercury and Jupiter is the, the daytime diurnal sign of Jupiter. And uh, I think that the, um, the North and South node exaltation, like that idea came like more in like the medieval era. Am I right, Tristan? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that was uh, something that uh, popped up in the medieval tradition, maybe in the late uh, classical period. I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess I, I do like to think about that because I, I do like to think about the exaltations and the domiciles. You know, the planet that is closely associated with the sign will tell you a lot about the sign. And um, thinking about the North Node, theoretically at least, exalting in Gemini, it kind of makes me think of the compatibility with the North Node and Gemini and the, um, the just kind of the moreness. The, the, it's very compatible with the North Node's excessive nature. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Gemini is always excessive. It's just, uh, it has its uh, fingers in many pies, right? Fingers in many pies is a good way to describe it. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I always, I, I feel like I say this a lot, but it it's uh, fitting um, that I've heard the joke that Gemini is interested in so many things uh, and mm-hmm. wants to follow so many pursuits that it has to split itself into two people to be able yeah. to do them all. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, when I think of the very Geminian people in my own life, they're constantly surprising me with the number of jobs they've done in it fields that have absolutely no connection to one another whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number of hobbies they have, the number of projects they have on the go, just constantly working on multiple things at a time, many of which have no common thread connecting <laughs> them. Um, I don't know yeah. how they get the time or how they do not completely burn themselves mm-hmm. out, but... Um, you know, when you think of the, the classical image of Mercury with the wings on his feet constantly going, you know, from here to there, delivering messages from place to place, sort of stopping briefly in, in every single place and, you know, picking up a bit of information here and there that tells you a lot about the spirit of the sign of Gemini. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like they're trying to get all the information they can from different places so they can piece everything together. And I think Sagittariuses are kind of similar in that way. Like, I feel like I meet a lot of Sagittariuses that have done a lot of jobs or like different things because they like to like meet new people and get new experiences. Like they're like, I think that where I think Gemini is more about doing a lot of different things to gain information and knowledge. Sagittarius that are about like the experience and the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's more about the like search for meaning. The the wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like Gemini is curious and Sagittarius wants to find meaning. Or like yeah. meet new friends or like say, oh, I went to this like party over there and I met this person who did this and yeah, all these different stories. They like to collect stories. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Sagittarius definitely likes to collect stories and like, go on and like adventures. Um, I think that, I mean, you get so much commonality between the two signs. Uh and you're looking at them kind of broadly is like they're both you know very outwardly focused like any um fire or air sign but they're you know they're both kind of fun loving um they're both interested in new things and, and novelty and they're both kind of as a result a little bit non-committal right it's a, a theme that comes with both gemini and sagittarius like they, they don't necessarily want to be held down to one thing they like to move to the next thing and, and the next thing often but I think you get with Sagittarius is there's a little more um, purposefulness with that, that seeking quality. 
Yeah, they're on a mission. It's not like Gemini is sort of like, you know, I'm doing one thing and then I see something shiny over there and I'm distracted. I'm just going to go run after it because it's shiny. Whereas Sagittarius feels more of a sense of like purpose or mission. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I'm I'm driven by some like moral or spiritual or political reason to pursue this new cause or or go or pursue the same cause, but in a different direction, like go to a different place to be able to continue pursuing this cause or ideal. Yeah. I think that's also where you get, um, you can kind of see how Gemini, uh, while it's, you know, very active and involved in lots of different things, it's actually really good at listening. Um, one of the archetypes of Gemini is the student, because uh, they're just curious. Gemini is, is very driven by curiosity. And um, Sagittarius is kind of like the that professorial energy. <laughs> they're a little good at, they're very good at like- Sage. A, yeah, sagely espousing opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not always uh, good at, at, at listening. Mm-hmm. Not not always, but <laughs> I, I know a handful of Sages that uh, have, make it a point to, to make sure that they're, this takes a little extra effort. They, they get so enthusiastic. They're both, you know, very enthusiastic signs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one thing they do have in common is like information, but they just mm-hmm. see information very differently. Like Gemini's are like some of the Gemini's I know. I'm very impressed by like how much they are good at fact checking, fact checking mm-hmm. things. And I think that's like a theme I noticed with like the North Node in Gemini and the South Node in Sagittarius, which is ending very soon, but it's been there for like a year and a half. Um, it's just like looking at the media and, you know, thinking about how we interpret the media and like who, like whose perspective this is the story being told from. And I think Sagittarius is kind of more like, let me tell this story with this angle, like, you know, this with this kind of agenda, whereas like Gemini is like, let me, you know, fact check everything and like see who has like bias where and like trying to be as objective as possible which is you know it's not really possible to be completely objective but i think gemini has that kind of spirit of trying to be objective um whereas sagittarius will want to like paint like a really like a big story a really interesting story something that will persuade people yeah i like that a lot yeah really good point yeah when i think of gemini i think of like critical thinking and detail oriented like um Whereas with Sagittarius, I think more of, um, yeah, like wanting to tell a compelling story and not necessarily being as concerned with whether or not all of the the T's are crossed and the mm-hmm. I's are dotted in that story. Yeah. yeah. The facts aren't so important. It's more about getting the the message across, the theme, the, the philosophy. The it's yeah, the fire. Feeling. So it's mm-hmm. like yeah. air, air is a little more... Uh, like detached in a sense and fire is a little more like directly involved and passionate, more emotional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think about like the, the elements of Gemini and Sagittarius, you get air and fire and uh, air moves the quickest of all the, the elements, you know, it can get from one place to another, you know, the air that you're breathing in now, if you're outside, you know, the wind blows and it, goes over there it can move you know through the forest and around the trees while sagittarius like mutable fire it spreads it, it catches and you know like a forest fire you drop a match in the forest it'll spread and catch you drop a bunch of them they'll 
eventually kind of coalesce into one big fire, but you don't get the same kind of movement with Sagittarius, though it's definitely one of the faster moving signs. But it's a little more, um, I want to say effectacious, like it is a little more um, impactful. It's more geared towards impacting its surroundings, while Gemini is a little more uh, observational. Yeah, I like that. It's a really good point of like being Sag being like really directly involved and present and Gemini being more like sort of the anthropologist observing everything going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why people kind of stereotype Gemini as ha- being two-faced or, um, you know, it's I don't necessarily think that, you know, Geminis are like two-faced, but they are trying to be in different places and learn different things. So they can kind of see like a story from different perspectives. So people might interpret that as like being um, maybe misleading or like lying, but it's not really lying if you're, um, if you're just like looking at, you know, a story from different angles and trying to see, trying to see like where the truth is in between everything, but it can come across as like very confusing for sure. Yeah. It's like the, the ability to, you know, hold conflicting and contradictory information and perspective simultaneously and kind of like give them all a fair shake, um, seeing from different perspectives at once, whereas Sagittarius is like very sure of the truth. Like there's a, yeah. there's conviction with Sagittarius, which is one of the ways that they're really opposite. Where Gemini isn't a sign, like on its own, of course, I'm talking about signs in the abstract, not people, but like on its own, Gemini is not a sign of strong convictions. And it kind of needs to not be a sign of strong convictions, you know, in, in order to do its job, you know, it needs to be able to see from all different points of view simultaneously um, and not necessarily choose a side. Um, whereas Sagittarius mm-hmm. is like very sure of what side they're on and that their cause is just and have like a strong moral compass and sense of right and wrong, um, which can be very po- a very powerful force for uh, positive change, but can also like come off as a little preachy mm-hmm. or like narrow-minded too, where Gemini seems more open-minded and open to different people's stories and experiences. Sagittarius is a little bit more likely to be like, well, no, your perspective is just wrong. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. uh, it's a really good point. Um, and actually that I would say is probably one of the defining differences between, uh, Gemini and Sagittarius. Uh, is that is just the approach towards morality or um, correctness or, you know, morality is really maybe the best word and that Gemini is not looking at things through that lens so much. It's uh, which lends to its open-mindedness and receptivity. And um, because it will, you know, people with a lot of Gemini or Gemini planets or will listen with interest in very diverse perspectives, right? They're, um, like I've said already, really good listeners, typically, um, and very unbiased. While um, Sagittarius, because it has this orientation towards finding truth and correctness and you know more morality and philosophy, it uh, has this interest in different viewpoints, but more in the um, purposing it towards a broader narrative jupiter style yeah or maybe like selecting the you know like listening for the things that make sense with their narrative Mm -hmm. for sagittarius and like including that in their narrative but kind of 
um, you know, ignoring the other parts they don't like as much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Confirmation bias. Yeah. But I, I like to give Sages a hard time about <laughs> so that sometimes the, there is a tendency to uh, listen, take what they're hearing, but it's almost like they block out parts of it to um, that don't necessarily jive with their narrative. And that can maybe be the weakness. One of the weaknesses of Sagittarius to watch out for is that um, that bias. I, I would say Sagittarius is much more inclined towards bias um, and maybe being blinded by its bias. You look like you have a thought, Bonnie. Yeah, I was think I was going to try to pick on Gemini's to balance it out a little bit. Oh, um, I can pick on Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> well. Because I, I really admire, like, Gemini's, like, um, quest for, like, truth and um, objectivity. But I think one thing is that they can be, like, really caught up in trying to find the objective truth. And, like, that can be nearly impossible because I don't, I, I guess, like, we could, you could ar- make an argument that it's, like, impossible to find true objectivity. You can get close, but you could spend, like, all day trying to sort through information and, you know, you know, eventually you just have to make up your mind. And so that can be hard for Gemini's. Just, I get, yeah, that can be hard for Gemini's is making up your mind and, yeah, picking a side. And, you know, maybe they don't want to do that. Yeah, I, I think Gemini's yeah. are perpetually of two minds. I think uh, maybe another one of the ways in which Gemini and Sagittarius are opposite. Um, and I think we'll we'll see this uh, come up again with uh, Virgo and Pisces, the other two mm-hmm. uh, signs ruled by Mercury and Jupiter that are opposed to each other. But, um, you know, mercurial signs have a certain grace to them. There's something very, like, quick and ef- efficient and graceful um, about Gemini. Um, Sagittarius is a little bit more like uh, moose stomping through a forest. Yeah. So I always think of like two people showing up at a party, like Gemini has very good social graces, like knows what to say, when to say it. Like it's something that, you know, maybe is similar to, to Libra, like their fellow air sign. Um, or with, you know, with Libra, it's more about like being tactful and, and polite and like knowing how to set people at ease. And with Gemini, it's more about like being clever and, um, you know, knowing like, you know, a little more cutting with their words, but like nonetheless, like very good with their words and know how to sort of persuade people and get them on their side and, you know, would would show up to a party and not necessarily like, uh, you know, slam the door open and, and come in and make a big splash, but just like sort of, you know, slipping in and out of of conversations and, you know, um, saying all the, the right things to the host, whereas, you know, Sagittarius is just going to slam the door open and slam their boots down the floor and be like, I am here, um, yeah. sort of loud and and not quite as as graceful. But there's something endearing about both, right? Like you, you're like mm-hmm. entertained and pleased by like the cleverness of Gemini, but you also have to like love just the raw honesty of Sagittarius. It's just like, you know, I am what I am kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I I love that. I know I've used the Kool-Aid man analogy before in a different context, but there is uh, a Kool-Aid man quality to Sagittarius sometimes where, um, yeah, the grand entrance is very Sagittarian. While I would say Gemini is more um, gonna, like Tr- Tristan was saying, clever, like wants to be clever, probably more put together, like is gonna maybe notice the details, like how's my hair looking? Like, make sure the hair looks nice, make sure the teeth are clean. Um, 
a little more, maybe not as fastidious as Virgo, but uh, more detail oriented. Sagittarius like just wants to kind of make sure it's giving the right impression overall, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think of Gemini as kind of like cute little nerds. Like sometimes I think sometimes Gemini's can be a little bit socially awkward, but in a really cute, clever way. Um, and like with Sagittarius, like a lot of the Sagittarius's I meet are really funny because they'll just like be kind of like, yeah, gregarious and like boastful and like silly and like tell fun stories. And every now and then they'll like drop some kind of wisdom and people are like, what? And then they'll just go back to being kind of silly and be like butts or whatever. And so a lot of Sagittarius I meet like have that kind of personality where it's like, you know, they, like it's almost like they don't want to be taken too seriously, but then every now and then they do have like some like something wise to say. Yeah, yeah. I think of like is Sagittarius is sort of like Santa Claus, um, <laughs> and although you know I guess Santa Claus is kind of graceful in that like he does go up and down chimneys, um, despite being like an average size, fully grown human man can somehow do that. But uh, you know I think of like Santa Claus as like the image of Sagittarius and like the little elf who like works in the workshop is like the image of, of Gemini. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, that's an, <laughs> it yeah, sounds little, a little, little diminutive. Pixie like creatures are very, very yeah. Gemini, you know, and they like, they get into stuff and you don't, they're, they're sneaky. You don't like realize they're there. They're like the little, you know, they're all kinds of like uh, folk tales and, and traditions of, you know, little, like pixies or brownies are little household spirits like living in your house. And if you don't honor them properly, they play tricks on you and like Ooh, you can't yeah. easily see them. Like you're not, if a Sagittarius is in your house, you know, they're there. They're not hiding. There's no concealing Sagittarius. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I mean, so many different things, but uh, I'm really glad you brought up like the, the trick the playing tricks thing with Gemini. Yeah. Cause Gemini is so about playing tricks. You just know about your, if you know any Gemini people, um, I would be willing to put money that at least half of them, not more, um, I have some sort of interest in not like magic so much as like little slights of hand and and um, little ways to like, you know, like little tricks, really. I mean, uh, I think like party tricks. Or like, riddles. Uh, or like riddles, riddles yeah. yeah. Gemini loves or like my my best friend when they so um my best friend's uh son in Gemini I hope they don't mind me telling the world that they have a Gemini son um, <laughs> but uh they have the son in Gemini and uh they've been running little like uh, just monster dungeons for my partner and I to practice different mm-hmm. D&D classes. So it's not like there's no sort of narrative or anything involved. It's just, you know, they mm-hmm. they create a dungeon and they plan out all the monsters and encounters and whatever. And there was an entire section of the last dungeon they put us through where there was nothing but trolling. Like we get it. There's <laughs> it's set up. So there are like all these, these different rooms and it's pretty clear which one is going to lead to the final boss. Right. It's like the one in the center with like the stairs leading up. So like, you know, we get through all the other rooms. They're all straightforward. You just walk through the door. There's a boss in there. You deal with it. You leave. And then we're like finally ready to get to the final room and we go in and it's just like an empty hallway. And then there are a bunch more doors on either side. So we're like, okay, what the hell? And we go into one and there's nothing in there except a jar of bees. (laughs) 
And there's another one we go in into, and there's nothing in there but a bunch of empty sets of armor and a bunch of those trick chests where if you try to like open it, they they're actually living things and they bite you. <laughs> and then we get we get into another room and there's just a button in the middle of the room. No, no creatures, no beings, nothing else in this room, just a button in the middle. And of course, if you press it, a bear falls out of the ceiling. And there's like a room where uh, there's a chest inside and there's a note on it that just says, do not open uh, magic swords. And of course, my partner has to open it. And they're just, it's exactly what it says. It's magic swords and they come in and attack you. You had to open it for some reason. Like, so it's, oh my it's God. all just nonsense like that until we finally get to the final boss. And of course, they like trick us first before we get to the final boss. It's just like a bunch of inside jokes in there. So this is this is what you get when you hang out with Gemini's. I I love that. They're- that's actually it's like so perfect and so Gemini. And just using going along with the the D and D analogy, like that would be like the field of Gemini and setting up a D and D game would be that the designing the dungeon itself and like all the little rooms and like the the traps and, and everything, the prizes you get in there. But Sagittarius would want to write the quest narrative. Yes. Of course, the the quest prizes for our dungeon were also all tricks, where there was one, it's it's literally a fork, but it's like it's all it's described. It's a fork, but it's it's um a oh my god, what was it called? Uh cursed spoon. And <laughs> yeah. you have like a disadvantage on ability checks to eat oatmeal and soup with it. <laughs> these these were the items that we found at the end of the dungeon. But you're absolutely right. Like that's that's how that's how Gemini plays the game in Sagittarius. Yeah. It's like I'm concerned with character development and narrative. Yeah. And there's like a purpose to the story, <laughs> and there's like a hero. Mm-hmm. You know, the hero. And they, like they're gonna achieve some sort of ultimate goal and there's gonna be like a moral lesson at the end of the yeah, story. A moral Gemini's lesson. Like the end of the story mm-hmm. is just me messing with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's perfect. Actually, I'm curious if your friend has more than just the sun in Gemini, but uh, you don't just have the to re- sun. reveal everything. <laughs> yeah. But um, that's actually, because uh, Bonnie brought this up too. Um, Gemini can be like I would say of the two signs more bashful or something. It's like a it's not as like um, outward and uh, uh, maybe it's not as um, it's what I'm looking for. Like we were saying before, Sagittarius like wants to make that that kind of big show, that big grand entrance, and Gemini in like more of an interpersonal way is gonna like want to be impressive. Um, but I've, I've been like studying um, the nakshatras a lot lately. And there's this nakshatra in Gemini. Um, and I couldn't even tell you the name of it because I can't remember. But I've been setting up little uh, just names, English words for me to like help remember <laughs> the, just what those nakshatras are about. And I just call it the Bambi um, nakshatra. It's kind of represented by like a deer and this sort of like bashful, like cautious um, approach to like love and relationships. Uh, which makes up a big chunk of Gemini. And um, I do know a lot of like Geminis that are like that, that have, uh, they're a little more on the shy side. While Sagittarius, I would say is, is not, not bashful in the least. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> mm-hmm. of, of the woodland creatures, you know, Gemini is like butterflies and rabbits and squirrels. And <laughs> um, Sagittarius is like, you know, big, 
hooved woodland creatures, deer and, and moose. So they're like still very majestic. Um, but you, you know, like a, a moose does not, or a bear, they, they don't care when they're walking through the woods, they're breaking everything. They're making tons of noise. Like you hear them coming, mm-hmm. you know, they're there. Whereas, you know, the mm. Gemini is like, maybe, maybe, you know, they're there. Maybe you don't. Yeah. And that relates so much to the planets ruling them because Mercury is like the smallest planet and like very quick moves very fast. And Jupiter is the biggest planet and just, you know, huge and you can't miss it. Yeah. I always think about the Weasley twins with Gemini. (laughs) They um, like they want to start a magic shop. And while they're, you know, maybe a little more boisterous, a little more. Yeah, they're Aries. Yeah, they got got some Aries (laughs) probably. Probably a bit of Sagittarius Leo in there, but um, yeah, you can't if you're making a big grand show all the time. You're, if you're so obvious and visible, you can't play tricks on anyone. So I mean, Gemini can be, you know, more stealthy, and it's a, it's a little more um, it's gonna have a little more precision than Sagittarius in its approach to things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sagittarius is the big picture, the sort of broad mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah, and Gemini is um, yeah more about the finer details. Like I think of Gemini's as really good debaters, mm. um, always the ones willing to play devil's advocate, much to a lot of people's annoyance. Like wanting to argue both sides, um, and just like have a discussion. Um, whereas Sagittarius, I think, yeah, is maybe a little bit more decided on what and doesn't really want to hear out different point of views as much. Yeah, I always like to think that Gemini's are good arguers because they've already had all the arguments with the other invisible version of themselves that they're yeah. talking to all the time. There's so much going there's so much going on in their heads. <laughs> yeah. The the inner monologue never stops. <laughs> yeah. This is gonna be a thing, I think, when we're wrapping up any of these sign pairs. But yeah, yeah do I you think have more? Do you have a thing to think? I guess I was just going to mention again, because I think it was mentioned before in the beginning about how they relate to the seasons, um, mm. just to go over that again, because Gemini, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, Gemini relates to um, the the end of spring transitioning into summer. And I think of that as a time that has a lot of, you know, with mutable air, like there's a lot of like insects and bugs and bees like flying around and pollinators Um you know, that that I see that a lot with like the sign of Gemini, just a lot of quickness, a lot of moving around. Um, and then with Sagittarius, so you have the transition from autumn to winter. And I think um I think y'all mentioned this before, but just like that's like the party time. And it's also, you know, it is like the time where we transition from um an even darker part of the year, which is, you know, like when we get into Capricorn season, that's where it gets kind of more real and like, oh, this is like hard and we have to preserve our resources. But the Sagittarius part is kind of like the, you know, hey, let's all hold it together and like be optimistic about this time. So I really see that in that part of the season of like, let's try to hold on to our op- optimism and joy and keep us all together and tell stories and get around the fire and, you know, that inner, like that warmth of the season of like trying to hold on to the last warmth and light. Yeah. Yeah, shining shining light in a in a dark place is very Sagittarius. I mean, Sagittarius is really connected to spirituality as well. We usually, you know, think of Pisces as the spiritual sign, but Sag is also one of Jupiter's homes. Um, it has a lot to do with spirituality and religion, and just like you know, even if circumstances around you are really difficult, that like sense of faith or hope or optimism or like you know things that you find joy in, or your like own ability to kind of shine a light. Um, for yourself and other people, uh, despite those circumstances, is very Sagittarian. Mm-hmm. 
and it's like telling stories. Uh, yeah. 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 Both. I mean, both definitely storytelling signs in mm-hmm. different ways. I really love that you brought up the bees and the pollination thing with Gemini and uh, the optimism of Sagittarius, which is like funny that we didn't even mention optimism until <laughs> so close to the end, but that is like a key signature of Sagittarius. But I'm also glad that you brought it back to um, the seasons because I always think about there's this quality that Sagittarius I find has and it always makes me think of that um, that Prince song, the party like it's 1999, the implication being that, you know, the world's going to end in the year 2000, right? And uh, uh, Sagittarius can have a very like a live for the moment quality, um, mm-hmm. like party like there's no tomorrow because, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not thinking so much about tomorrow or um, and you think about how Sagittarius is like situated in between uh, two of the heaviest, <laughs> most grim signs in the Zodiac Scorpio and, and Capricorn. And it's also positioned like right on the edge of winter and it's positioned right. Uh, you know, Jupiter's transiting through Sagittarius. It's uh, the next sign that goes into his Capricorn where it falls. So there's like a like a YOLO vibe. I don't know to, yeah. to Sagittarius. Like after, like. Yeah, totally. Yeah. After all the grimness of Scorpio, um, Sagittarius is like, okay, we really need to like lighten up here. Yeah. And then, yeah. I know so many Sag- Sagittariuses that um, like they'll like kind of not that they're pretending to listen, but they'll they'll like hear you you know your sob story a little bit, and they'll be like, oh yeah, that happens. You know, oh yeah. There's like a, a kind of a brushing off of the negative and it's like, they just don't want to hear it. They don't want to go there with, with you so much as <laughs> is they just don't want to, because they, it, it, it's like this bright spot of the Zodiac between, you know, a lot of m- m- darker, heavier topics and uh, that's yeah. all going on around them, but they want to hold the light together in that, in that space. In that yeah. Vegetarian space. Kitty. <laughs> you might hear pur- you might hear purring on the mic. Yeah. Um, what do you think Gemini Gemini's role is in in their season? Because I'm I'm trying to think. Like I can definitely think of like the activity in the natural world, but I'm you nailed it thinking about that bees and pollination pollinators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you totally you totally nailed it because they're it's like in order plants are stationary. They um, you know their ability to communicate and connect with one another is limited, and the pollinators are the ones that build those connections between them. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, transmitting information. Yeah. So yeah, in order to transition from spring to summer, you and 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 to grow more food, you need to transmit between all those different plants and and animals. Yeah. I yeah, guess we, this would be a good time to tra- transition to the next signs. Yeah. Which are the best signs. Shall we uh, talk about the best signs of the Zodiac? Woo! Our rising signs. <laughs> yeah, especially during during the Cancer full moon. Yeah, I know. This one will, will probably get really well. Yeah, hopefully the, the full moon in Cancer blesses us and our- I feel like all my feelings are going to come out with this one, with the Capricorn and ca- Cancer, all the feelings. Yeah. <laughs> 
This is the part of the show where we all cry. <laughs> can, we, can we have a cry break for yeah. this? We all we all tell each other how much we love each other, and we have a big cry, <laughs> and then we feel all better afterwards. Like it's so hard being moon, being ruled by the moon, or being ruled by Saturn. It's so hard. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't mind being ruled by the moon. Like maybe if my moon was in Taurus or Cancer, it would be a little easier. Is it like I find the moon in Cancer just super soothing, right? Like the moon is is the nighttime luminary. It's all about like relaxing and dreaming. And you know, you get like a break from the hustle and bustle and activity of of daytime life. Yeah, Cancer moons are nice. Yeah. It's an excuse to like, just like, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because I mean, one part of it is like, oh, it's really nice to slow down and relax and like make a blanket for it. And the other hand, it's like, it feels very tender emotionally. So it's like, I need the blanket for it for my comfort and yeah, processing yeah. all the feelings. Yeah. Yeah, my son has a, a Cancer Moon conjunct Jupiter and Cancer. Ooh, so nice so nice he he like teaches me how to like process my feelings (laughs) yeah it's it's like big feelings feelings, but really like good at processing processing them and like because it's like it's in and out in and out yeah yeah it's like in and out and then you move on and then you know it's just like this more i guess it's more not fast or slow it's kind of this like ongoing processing of emotions but it's it's like however much time it needs yeah, yeah, it's not sudden or anything. It's just like kind of more stable, but just like it's just flowing. Yeah. Whereas the Scorpio water is like kind of stopped up and like piling up and flooding. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's like a waterfall Frozen. that comes in. It's like blocked by a dam and then it comes flooding out. And it's yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway. Or it's just frozen for years and years and years. And <laughs> or it's like a swamp. Slowly start to form. Yeah, the swamp is another. And it's I like really deep and dark, and you hide dead bodies in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always think yes. of Scorpio and I'm in a bog. <laughs> yeah. Bog of a I love I love swamps and marshes. Yeah. Yeah. I used to live in Louisiana <laughs> and I was a big advocate for the swamps. They're so good. They're the wetlands. Mm. And that's actually something that I regret not saying about um, Taurus and Scorpio and their the commonality with their axis is the fertility is they're they're mm, actually both very right. fertile signs. Um, and bogs, swamps are like rich with life and the yep. ecosystem is super like dense with life and really important to like the overall environment ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they need each other too because that's like one, one of the things in Louisiana is that um, – the hurricanes were, you know, like with Katrina, were getting more um, devastating because a lot of the coastal wetlands were lost from oil drilling. And those, like, those plants, they absorb all the water. So that heaviness, they mm. help absorb it. So when you lose those plants, then there's more flooding, more hurricanes, like hurricanes causing more issues. Anyway, that, that would be a nice thing to add to the Scorpio Taurus one. Yeah. It's not too late. Yeah, there's probably a similar parallel of Capricorn and, and Cancer. Yeah, we're going to another Earth water definitely is. opposition. Yay. So more more reflective signs and more oriented towards like physical life. Yeah, d- definitely. I, I, a lot of very similar themes come up with Cancer and, and Capricorn because uh, Taurus being the exaltation of the moon and Cancer being the domicile of the moon. But then you also have uh, Capricorn as the exaltation of Mars. 
Yeah, there's a lot of parallels. Cancer and Taurus are both very benefic signs, like Jupiter exalts in Cancer. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Venus has a domicile in Taurus. And then um, Capricorn and Scorpio are very malefic signs, where Scorpio is a Mars sign and nothing exalts in it. And Capricorn is is ruled by Saturn and uh, exalts Mars. So... Uh, you've got this very like soft, gentle sign versus this very sort of hard-edged sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're flipped, and this time it's like um, the harder ones are the Earth signs, and the squishier ones are the water right. signs. With Cancer and Capricorn, water, yeah, yeah Cancer is very squishy, and Capricorn's like very much like boundaries and rigid, and I protect. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I hadn't thought about that. A good that's an interesting like way to think about it because yeah you get like the taurus scorpio is like water is dealing with all the, the heavy dark malefic stuff and um on the capricorn cancer axis the water is like the happy place mm-hmm. and the earth is it's like the dark earth yeah the deep dark caves i, I think of like because Capricorn's very constricting, like Saturn is Capricorn's ruler, and you know Saturn has that sort of limiting or constricting or obstructing kind of uh, quality. So I think of like um, cave diving a little bit with Capricorn, where you're mm. like claustrophobic, you're like hemmed in in this tiny little space, and mm. you know there are like sharp things poking out of the ceiling, and um, yeah. it's very dark and going bugs and bats and things that'll bite you. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a cave near where I live, um, and my uh, Capricorn rising partner uh, will occasionally bring me there. And the coolest thing is like getting into just like this narrow, deep cave underground. There's nothing. There isn't anything really alive in there. It's just stone. Um, and like turning off your headlamp and any flashlights you have with you, and just being in the like most pitch darkness you've ever experienced like there's no difference between having your eyes open or closed Mm. it's a really cool sensation if you know you're safe it feels really cool but i could imagine that like if you were sort of trapped in that situation it would be the worst kind of terror oh yeah when i was a kid uh when i i go to colorado because i had a grandmother that lived there um and they have the cave of the winds and they take you on a tour there and then at one point in the tour they they turn the lights off to, so you can experience the darkness of the cave and it yeah. is it's total i not that i want to like overemphasize i don't want to say like capricorn is so dark it's the goth um, sign yeah, it's yeah. goth sign it it's is very like, goth i used to when i was first learning astrology as a teenager i would often guess you know people there would be certain people who like wore a lot of black clothing and like were generally sort of quiet and were sort of like you know, they had this look on them, like they were sort of skeptically observing you all the time. And I would be like, are you a Scorpio? No, it was always like a Capricorn. Mm. <laughs> I get them mixed up because I expected like, oh, Scorpio is the dark, stealthy sign. But mm. the Scorpios yeah. were always like the people in like floral print dresses with like, <laughs> you know, pink bows in their hair or whatever, who are going around looking like Tauruses so you don't know the truth. And then <laughs> I'm keeping that. There's something to that with with and the Capricorns are the ones who are kind of like in the shadows, like carefully yeah. watching you, sort of biding their time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I guess as a Capricorn rising and Scorpio sun, I've done both. Like I've done, I've definitely worn like rainbow streamers and like also all black. So you need that, it's like yeah. that, that meme about like having one foot in the darkness and one foot in a Hello Kitty roller skate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the way to live. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like goth rainbow. It's like goth rainbow bright. Yeah. Which I have dressed up as before. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I it's a it. yeah. black and rainbows. But but anyway, I was going to say, because um, I keep getting distracted. Um, yeah, with Capricorn and Cancer, for just like thinking of the seasons. Um because I was thinking, because we're in Capricorn season right now, and I was think I was really struck by like the you know the transition from Sagittarius to Capricorn um, in the Northern Hemisphere, at least like for winter. You know, this being the time when when like it's really cold, and like you're you know like over here in DC, people aren't really used to snow. So when it does snow, people freak out. Like I know Tristan, where where y'all live, y'all are probably more used to snow, but here people don't know what they're doing, and they run to the grocery store all at the same time and you know the lines are really long and they start buying everything on the shelves and kind of freaking out as if they've never seen snow and um mm-hmm. and it, it just like that kind of panic reminds me of capricorn season a little bit because there's mm-hmm. like this like scarcity of resources and like what are you going to do you need to stock up on things but um but i also think that with with capricorn season like um like people that have that kind of energy like they're really good at just like like for me for example like i'm just like oh i already have enough food it's only for a few days that's gonna snow it's really not a big deal and i'm just gonna get creative with the few like kind of kitchen things i have like i don't have exactly what i want but i'll make use like i'll get creative with a different recipe and that's kind of how i see like the winter it's like oh we just gotta survive and like get through it um and so I think that's something useful about Capricorn season is just like that kind of like, um, I guess, yeah, kind of realizing what you have and just like making use of fewer resources and knowing that you just have to get through this time and that, you know, it, it will like, because the winter solstice is also during this time when um, it's the darkest night. So with that, you get this hope that the light will start to increase. So even though it is dreary, during this time for the Northern Hemisphere, um, there is this like this sense of hope that, you know, like we just have to get through this together. And then, yeah, I said if someone wants to speak to cancer as being the opposite of that, of like being this like nice time beginning in the summer, like going to the beach, mm-hmm. like the sun, the water, um, that seems like a more like kind of abundant time, I think. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure like in other places, it's, it's like, you know, it's flipped. So that's, so I'm curious about that as well. I have, I have bajillion thoughts. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I feel like Cancer and Capricorn is going to be a big one for the three of us, given how important <laughs> these signs are in our charts and in our lives. I'm really curious about hearing about Cancer from y'all. Well, I, I really love that you brought up like excellent points about Capricorn and the um, Capricorn season. And uh, I remember this like news. It was on the news. This was like years ago, maybe a decade ago, more maybe. And it was... Um, I think it was like in Georgia where they had like the coldest winter they had had in like a hundred years. And the people living there, like they didn't even own winter coats. They had none of that stuff that like people living in like Michigan or Canada uh, just know. They just know that like, this is the time where you have to, you know, just kind of endure (laughs) the, the, the shitty weather. And you gotta uh, be prepared for it, right? Like, and be prepared big Capricorn for it. thing is being prepared. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you were saying about Bonnie with the sun um, entering Capricorn, and that's like the the darkest night is that winter solstice, and that from there it does start to uh, move towards you know brightness again. Um, and I think Capricorn gives you the the awareness that like there is an end to the struggle. 
Mm. And your goal is to endure through that end. And it's where you get kind of the commonality between um, Capricorn and Cancer. And there's actually quite a bit in that they're both kind of, they're dealing with survival in, in, uh, in different ways. They're dealing with, you know, the growth, Cancer, uh, the growth and abundance and nurturing of life in Cancer. Uh, Capricorn, you get like the, I mean, you get death and like the, the ends of lives, but also the, the persevering through times of scarcity, which maybe it's, it's good to point out. I don't know if you did this, but that cancer is the um, domicile of the moon and the exaltation of Jupiter. While Saturn is the uh, domicile of, sorry, <laughs> Capricorn Cap- is the domicile of Saturn and the uh, exaltation of Mars. And yeah, that's Mars falls in Cancer, Jupiter falls in Capricorn. Yeah, and what you said about um, like knowing that the time is going to end with Capricorn, like Capricorn being ruled by Saturn, like Saturn is uh, all yeah. about time and like, oh yeah, this is yeah. a time period we have to deal with this and we just have to make use of what we have. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's like a little bit less of a panic when you have that kind of sense of time. Yeah, I I think I, I talked about this a bit on the the planets episode when we were talking about Saturn, the ability to make something out of nothing, I feel is very, very Saturn and very Capricorn um, being resourceful, being creative with your resources. Like Bonnie was saying, you know, I might not have like all of my favorite things in my pantry, but I know how to make something delicious and nutritious out of whatever I have on hand. Right. Like Mm. I can take all these random vegetables and spices and I can make like a pretty damn good stew. Um, Whereas, you know, the more sort of abundant signs might, you know, look in that same pantry and be like, there's nothing to eat. I don't know what to do. I'm at a loss. Like Capricorn always knows how to like make something out of whatever they have. (laughs) Yeah. Like Capricorn planets in Capricorn, like they prosper almost when, when the shit hits the fan, when, um, in environments of scarcity, it's almost like if you give them like a just a boatload of abundance, like the, you know, it's too, too many frills. Yeah. Yeah. What would I do with all this? Yeah. Like I, you know, it's, they really, uh, Capricorn is really knows how to make the best of scarcity while cancer, um, <laughs> not to rip on cancer, uh, but it's, I think of myself that my most cancer moments are when it's cold outside. I'm such a baby. <laughs> I'm like, and I, I can't, just be cool with it. I'm like, it's so cold. Like lately it's been so cold in Michigan. We were getting down to like the single digits and it can get colder, but I'm, uh, I'm just such a baby. I will whine about it. I will, uh, I don't know. It's pathetic. <laughs> it's, uh, like you think cancer is, uh, yeah. Cancer wants to be comfortable. I yes. think is a key thing. Like cancer is a comfortable mm-hmm. sign. Thing you know, things yeah. are generally comfortable when they're in Cancer. The, cozy, yeah, you're cozy. You feel safe and secure. Um, in Capricorn, uh, you don't necessarily feel comfortable. Everything is cold and hard. And in Cancer, everything is warm and squishy and and bright. Mm-hmm. I think like one thing that um, maybe gets missed a little bit when you know I read descriptions of Cancer is. Um, how important the concept of light is to the sign of cancer. Um, Mm -hmm. It is the domicile of one of our luminaries, one of our lights. The sun and the moon are the sources of light and life uh, among the planets. And, oh my 
and I have a I have a cancer whining at me right now. <laughs> That's sad. Buddy, a, uh, buddy, you gotta you gotta go downstairs. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll finish my point and then I'm gonna take the dog downstairs. Um, yeah, where you know, cancer. The sun moves into cancer at the summer solstice, and um, you know, starts off uh, the season where everything is really visible and everything is really bright, and people want to, um, you know, go out and spend time with each other. There's a lot of uh, connection that goes on. Oh my god. Okay, I'm I'm gonna have to. I will hold that thought. You two carry on. Yeah. Okay. What? All right. What? I will, or okay, you can go ahead, Bonnie, but I have. Did you, do you have something really important to say? I mean, yeah, it's occurring to me that I don't know Cancer as well as I do Capricorn, which is interesting because Cancer is my descendant. You're going to go downstairs. Yeah, okay. maybe you should, you should get to know it better. Yeah, <laughs> I should. <laughs> I still hear But I mean, you, I think that's maybe the thing, though, too, with the descendant is that you, um, you probably are a lot more, there's a lot more Cancer that you're probably expe- expressing than you you would oh think. yeah no totally but, um, I, I i definitely see that just as far as like my relationships going um and just like being the person that wants to like nurture someone and that's something i've had to like realize that i can't um is that boundaries are really important with cancer because um there can be this tendency to want to nurture and take care of people and then not take care of yourself and i definitely do that in relationships so mm-hmm. yeah oh, so yeah. i need to bring in more of the capricorn like no boundaries mm-hmm. you have to have boundaries but i think that's yeah a lot, that's, that's a lesson for cancer placements is that you know you have to take care of yourself too you can't just take care of other people as as great as cancers are at that well in, in it's a really good point about the boundaries is that like cancer and capricorn are both uh, dealing heavily with boundaries like they're um, yes creating boundaries between things and that like you know uh cancer is very much home and um that that sense of home, that sense of security, that sense of safety, that, uh, you know, like your house, you have a lock on your door. You, you know, some people have security systems. You invite your close friends into your house, your family, um, or at least a trusted acquaintances. You know, there's a vetting process to some degree for most people uh, that goes into who you allow into your, your safe space, your home. And um, while like, Cancer is very much concerned with like who do I let in? Capricorn is like creating boundaries. Yeah. Who do I keep in? <laughs> who do I keep in there? Like because Capricorn does get associated with prisons, but also just like yeah, walls and boundaries and and uh, creating walls to keep like the bad stuff out. They're both ends like there's it's so they're so tied together in that concept. It's just like looking at the same like how do we you know the walls that we build? We're just looking at the process from different sides with Capricorn and Cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big time. I mean, security in general is another common theme yeah. between uh, both of them. And I think like, I saw a point recently about how, um, you know, with, if you've got Capricorn rising, your descendant, which represents your relationships is Cancer. And if you're Cancer rising, your your descendant is Capricorn. Um, Just talking and about so that. like both, yeah, both are really about uh, like Cancer Rising is about creating security, but Capricorn Rising is about creating security in relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Capricorn will, um, you know, create security and like protect people and keep them safe in more sort of like practical 
um, ways, you know, like making sure there's gas in the car. Um, whereas, you know, cancer is, is more about, um, you know, maintaining those emotional bonds, like, you know, giving, giving hugs and like listening to you, um, you know, when you're going through a hard time and empathizing with your feelings, they're both really about like taking care of people, but they sort of do it from, from different ends of uh, a spectrum between like practicality and, um, like emotional closeness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, that's something that I've been reflecting on. I don't know if it's similar for y'all, but like um, for me as a Capricorn rising, like in my relationships, I feel like um, I have a tendency to take care of other people and not take care of myself. And that's where I'm trying to learn this lesson of setting boundaries between myself, going back to that Capricorn rising, because I do have Neptune three degrees from my ascendant. So things get blurred and like not not as great like blurring into other people is like a big thing um so you know it's not the stereotypical capricorn rising signification of like being really good with boundaries sometimes i'm not great with it um so yeah i feel like with with both yeah cancer and capricorn there's that tendency to like take care of other people and like not focus on yourself as much so that's like a lot I, I mean, and I guess this goes for like all Capricorn and, and Cancer placements, not just rising signs, because <laughs> we keep talking about that because we are. But yeah, I don't <laughs> I know think, if y'all, um, y'all yeah. noticed that too. It's it's important to oh, yeah. think about uh, rising signs when you're thinking about the signs, because like it's it's a fun way of meditating on what the signs mean to just go, okay, mm-hmm. if you put uh, Capricorn rising on a chart, how do all those houses line up, right? And what does that tell you about the sign of Capricorn? Because I think it actually Mm -hmm. tells you something about the sign itself, about that sign's nature when you put that sign on the ascendant and then look at, you know, well, what's like, um, you know, the the fifth house from Capricorn (laughs) is always ruled by Venus if you're using whole signs and Capricorn is a horny goat (laughs) and the fifth house is the sexy house. Yeah, Capricorns are very sexy. (laughs) What does that say about Capricorn (laughs) that they've got this nice Taurus fifth house? Mm -hmm. Tristan and I were talking recently about the the sexiness of Capricorn. Tristan came up with a lot. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you had some catchphrases or something. I don't, I don't know. I can't remember now, but they were, <laughs> they were good. And that uh, Capricorn is an underratedly sexy sign. And I would say yeah. cancer might be as well. I would say cancer is definitely. Yeah. Cancer is so sexy. Cause cancer, like Jupiter is exalted. Yeah. There, you have Scorpio. Like, yeah, you, you have, have a Scorpio fifth house. Cancer rising. Freaky. Yeah. So it's like you're, you're soft. Yeah. You're soft and sweet on the outside, but you're actually freaky in the bedroom. Freaky and safe. Yeah. What more can you ask for? I mean, yeah, I've you're, always, you're safe. Yeah. You're like the perfect BDSM <laughs> partner. Like you're I've always, in yeah, a I've safe al- environment, like yes. good, you know, have like good consent policies. The aftercare. You know, Cancer make sure always you've respects got the like the word. proper rope cutting scissors. Yeah. The always cuddling. respects the safe word, cuddles yeah. you afterwards, gives you aftercare. But yeah, like <laughs> yeah. that's, that's cancer. I mean, I've always, yeah, I've always heard Capricorn, especially Capricorn, Capricorn Mars, like stereotyped as like very dominant, like people. And I found that really interesting because like, I, yeah, with like, um, I feel like Capricorn would be like when they are sexy, it's like very like, sec- not secretive, but like, yeah, like business. It's like, I think you said this a while back, Kyle, about Sagittarius Saturn, but it was like business in the front, party in the back, like a mullet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> that was about Sagittarius Saturn, though. But I can see Capricorn mm-hmm. being like kind of like you know professional in the front, and then like you know more freaky behind the scenes. Yeah, because the like, mm-hmm. yeah, both of them are about that. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I just think that um, this is making me think of the the high standards of Capricorn. You know, being Saturn ruled is like. Capricorn has high standards and expectations for everything, um, you know, which can be part of what makes them good in bed is like they want to create the perfect, uh, the perfect scenario for their partner. But I think it's also, you know, potentially one of the, the things that Capricorn sometimes struggles with and cancer has an easier time with is like Capricorn's going to be harder than themselves and potentially harder on others um, because of those high standards where it's just like certain things are just not good enough. Whereas cancer is like, that, you know, supportive friend or parent who's like, you know, everything you do, they're like, that's awesome. I'm so proud of you. Like cancer hangs your, your drawing on the fridge and Capricorn is like, this still needs some work, you know? <laughs> Let me give some practical yeah. advice. <laughs> yeah, Let me exactly. just give some nice, like fatherly no, advice. Mommy, mommy, daddy yeah. energy with uh, cancer and Capricorn is it's totally yeah. a thing. Oh, big time. <laughs> yeah, big time. Or like baby, baby energy too with cancer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah for sure big time like well, take care of me <laughs> it's like take care of me then i take care yeah. of you then take care of me then but you, you need you. both in the sense of like you know you're raising a, a child like you need to be loving and sweet and they need love they need to be nurtured they need good food they need hugs they need cuddles and snuggles and that's your cancer stuff uh, but they also need boundaries they need mm-hmm. to be disciplined they need to be taught you know don't go running across the street because there could be cars coming look both ways and sometimes you have to be harsh with kids because you want to keep them mm-hmm. safe yeah. and the the prerogative it's, is the yeah. same it's it's keeping things safe keeping protecting and safety mm-hmm. but it's just different approaches Cap- capricorn to me is such a it's like a cowboy energy i always think of like it's rugged it's hard you know knows how to survive in basically the wasteland that the the midwest is (laughs) like it wasn't really uh they just were giving land away because it was so unfarmable while you know can't but the yeah they would like raise families in that environment and you know probably uh weren't always the nicest to their kids but they kept them alive right (laughs) so i don't know but uh cancer is more like the the abundant you know pasture uh where you know, maybe you don't have to be harsh with your kids because they, you know, everything's already safe to begin with. Well, you know, you put uh, an overly babied, powdered, soft, squishy person or planet in, you know, harsh circumstances in the struggle and then vice versa. You know, you put um, put the cowboy in a, a luxury ho- hotel room. You know, they're going to trample dirt all over all over the place and. <laughs> drink whiskey straight from the bottle. And it'd be like, I'm just going to sleep on. The yeah. Floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, where are the guns? Yeah. Well, it's just making me think of like a couple of pop culture things like in the uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, whatever uh, that series was with uh, the Marvel series um, where they were talking about having a hard time sleeping in beds. It's like they're too soft. They're too squishy because they're used to being in these harsh circumstances. And like it's actually more comfortable just to be on the floor. Um, so it's like, you know, the Capricorn, even if given like a soft, squishy bed is just going to fucking sleep. <laughs> yeah. <on the floor. laughs> 
<laughs> or on the couch. I'm thinking of Mulder from the X-Files too, where you never see him in bed. He's always just sleeping on his couch. Oh yeah. Constantly yeah. paranoid. Like, like you have to be ready. Sort of Mars. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be ready. Mars attitude. I, I was thinking about that because um, I was writing a Mars and Capricorn um, election packet for Stardance mystery school. And I was like trying to think of like, okay, Mars is not in like their own house of like Aries or Scorpio, but they're in like their best friend's house or like it's in their next favorite house of Capricorn. And what kind of house that would that be? And it made me think of like a rustic cabin in the winter with like snow covering, Ooh. covered it with like firewood and an axe and a lot of like firewood to chop and then like guns and everything like ready for Mars. Um, and it's just like very barren and there's like this snow everywhere, but there's like, you know, there's like enough resources for Mars to just like, you know, use a lot of energy and get a lot done where do you live again Tristan? maybe shoot some deer mars and, mars and capricorn <laughs> i yeah i was just thinking so i have mars and capricorn in the seventh house and bonnie has just described like where i would imagine my partner being um where like he hunts and um he is like he he borrowed his mom's chainsaw and like uh, cut down all the dead trees in our yard and cut it all into firewood and like that's just he would do really well in a cabin in the woods with you know lots of firewood and like guns so you know he had something to do um yeah. but he's a capricorn rising and i'm a cancer rising and i've yeah. got mars in the seventh which represents your partner so it's like oh that's my, so my mars in capricorn is sort of like it describes Keith probably so more than cute. it describes me. But I do yeah. love chopping firewood. Uh, I really, yeah. that's my favorite There's thing. something like so. productive about like, oh, I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm chopping the firewood so we have something to burn to keep us warm and keep us safe. Yeah, and, it's a very Mars and Cal. Yeah. I, Using all that energy. And I feel like maybe that's how like seventh house placements can be sometimes um, where, you know, it's generally, it's definitely. Yeah. It's as much. It, it, but it's. I don't know if you notice it as much, Tristan, but I, I still see Capricorn is definitely your Mars. I don't know. I, I imagine you in that like that environment doing well. I, I think you, you probably you like it. I don't know. Do you hate it? Yeah, I love backcountry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But no, I, I love getting out and roughing it. Yeah. Um, despite being a Cancer Rising. So I guess <laughs> you're right. I've got my Mars and Capricorn hanging out with Saturn and Capricorn. And I'm like, yeah, I want to. I want to, you know, go live without electricity for uh, several days and uh, have to hike and canoe everywhere and, you know, cook my food over a fire. That's how that's how I have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, I, I don't know. Tangential tangentials. <laughs> it's in the side it's not related to, to, to cancer and Capricorn. So I want to stay on, on topic, but <laughs> it's. Uh, uh, well, I was, um, one thing I, I wanted to uh, mention, I think you might, you might remember this, uh, Kyle, I hope I'm getting this right. Um, the star Sirius uh, is in the constellation of Cancer, is it not? And when the Nile flooded, Sirius would rise every year. Yeah. And so like, that's one of the um, historical uh connections uh between cancer and life and capricorn and death is that um cancer rising actually heralds the flooding of the nile which is um you know what the egyptian civilization depended on and so you know it represents fertility and abundant life and like enough food for everyone and um you know water being like basically life itself mm -hmm. yeah it's the abundant time of the year 
actually makes me think about um, maybe what we were talking about in the beginning a bit where, you know, you had those people in Georgia um, who suddenly they had winter and, but they had no coats and it was kind of like a big deal because like, how do we get coats to these people? You know, do we shut everything down and just have everybody stay home? Um, Because they weren't prepared for the winter. And that can be very much what like a Saturn return ends up being like for people where, you know, did, uh, where the winter comes and it's, you're going to find out if you were prepared or not around that time. But just thinking about like the nature of life and, you know, the moon is, it moves around the zodiac very fast, very fast moving. Um, and keeping life, maintaining life is a constant process. Like you have to feed and eat every, like almost every day. Um, and you gotta drink water. You gotta, you, it never ends. yeah. Uh, the, Staying alive it requires constant maintenance and, and constant vigilance, right? And uh, Capri- uh, Saturn, uh, the planet which rules Capricorn, is the slowest moving of the visible planets. And it'll stay in a place for a long time. And, you know, all you need really to destroy life is maintain deprivation for uh extended period of time. And then phew, everything dies. And <laughs> only the... Only the ones that were prepared survive, um, which is really kind of the essence of winter in its natural sense. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking about how like cancer is ruled by the moon and the moon is like our closest ally or like um, luminary that's closest to us. And it moves like every two and a half days. So it moves like the fastest. Um, And how, you know, that kind of relates to like the moon and cancer being about our emotions and like how like we... Just like things move, not and I mean two and a half days is not too fast, but it is like you know a consistent flow. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's water. It's like it's like changing. Um, and then when you go to like Saturn, it's like the slowest moving of the personal planets, and you know rules um, Capricorn and Aquarius. And and like that time of the year, and like in the winter is like the the time where you slow down. And it's like you can continue living and like surviving, but you have to like slow down your needs. Maybe like slow like maybe. If you are scarce on resources, maybe eat a little bit less or, um, you know, you have to find ways to keep going with less. And that, you know, requires some kind of slowness and and being and also not panicking. So you don't use all of your energy. That's like a big Saturn thing, too, is like not freaking out, just like having a plan, staying cool. Um, And, you know, the the faster moving planet, the moon is like um, like I don't know what I would say about that because I'm trying to think about how that relates to like yeah because it's about nurturing you need to um, make um, things like, last a long time you know in a scarce situation mm-hmm. like you're saying but like mm-hmm. you're feeding a baby you yeah. gotta feed the baby like every two hours <laughs> yeah exactly because the moon is like yeah it's during the time of the year when yeah everything is growing so you have to yeah you have to keep feeding you have to keep growing um so it's the time when you're growing the most um, and you have that not not luxury, but that's like the time of the year or when when um, when you would be doing that. But um, there's also going to be like the opposite when like things have to slow down and you just have to keep going with what you have and knowing that's not permanent either. Yeah, it's really the key difference. You get like abundance in Cancer and scarcity in, in Capricorn, and uh, I would say like Cancer um, will like tunes planets to be very sensitive to subtle nuances. Um, think of like the princess and the pea, right? That's very, you can apply that 
uh, across the board a bit, like cancers are cancer. People are, are sensitive, you know, they're tuned to the subtleties of things. They're tuned to the needs of themselves and of other people um, and notice the subtle shifts while Capricorn is a sign where y- you're not, I don't know that you don't have time for that. You need to get to work and, and get stuff done. <laughs> that can be the, the strength of Capricorn. It's like a hyper resilient. Hyper. Yeah, yeah. Which means being insensitive to, to all the subtle nuances. You have to brush over them. Not saying all Capricorn people are, are that mm-hmm. way. It's just that that is the Capricorn um, signification. No, of, of definitely. Capricorn. That's like the pure, like the, the pure yeah. sign. Yeah. Right. And then no, you know, yeah, I agree. a person will have a chart that complicates that. Um, yeah. And it's just like a pure ar- archetypal sign. Yeah. But yeah, that like, um, cancers are sort of a finely tuned instrument, you know, they will, they will pick up on, and that's, I think an important thing, um, about, uh, sensitivity. It's something that, uh, in our current culture really gets devalued, I think, because it's inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. and, uh, people who are very sensitive are not wrong. Um, it's easy for like people of sort of average sensitivity or people who are more resilient Um, you know, if like somebody says a harsh word, um, or, uh, you know, makes a remark, um, that is like inappropriate in some way, um, you know, people who are not super sensitive are, you know, maybe not even going to notice, uh, that it was a problem. Um, but people who are more sensitive will notice. And the truth is that it's not actually any better or worse for any of those people. It's just as bad to be in that kind of an environment, um, as a person who isn't as sensitive, like it's still doing damage, right? It's like a sensitive person is sensitive to things that are harmful to life. So it's like, if you, um, if you're really, uh, good at smelling, you know, the smell of burning, Um, If you're really sensitive to the smell of burning, um, you're going to notice that the house is burning down before anybody else does. Um, But, you know, if if everyone just stayed in that situation, everyone is equally burning down with the house. The sensitive person is not burning down any more than you are. So you need to listen to the sensitive people in your life because they're the ones who notice like I can smell natural. I can smell a natural gas leak. And you're like, I can't smell it. You should listen to the person who can smell it because you're also going to die feeling <laughs> that, uh, you know, a fire that, uh, you know, bursts into your house. Mm-hmm. So like un- undervaluing sensitivity um, because it's, you know, we, we don't want to have to stop what we're doing and consider that what we're doing might be harmful. Um, and so we don't want to have to listen to the voices of sensitive people who are saying like, Hey, you need to slow down and reconsider these actions because they might actually be creating an atmosphere that isn't good for life. Really good point. Yeah. And that's a good point. That's making, that's giving me some ideas about the season that cancer is here. Um, cause, uh, yeah, the season that cancer is in is like the time of growth and nurturance so like you really have the like the most potential to change things during that time like things are still changeable whereas like in capricorn season you kind of have to stick with what you have for a while and Mm -hmm. you know cancer season it's more like we can change things like you know these plants are still growing and like if you know if they're not getting enough water or like they're not um or if like you know there's something blocking the sun we need to make adjustments pretty quickly because they're in that growing phase and it's going to so affect our food supply line down when we get to the autumn seasons. Um, and that's going to be, you know, really important. That's the time when we need to harvest the food and 
So in order to get there, we need to look at how we're growing and that sensitivity plays in there. Like this, like things are moving fast and you have to be really in tune with it. Yeah, I like that. Like being in tune with, you know, the things that are growing, how much light they're getting, how much water they're getting, how the cycles of light and dark are changing as the season progresses, how the temperature changes, (laughs) the pH of the soil, like all those little things that you have to have finely tuned in order for things to grow as, as effectively as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, change is um, faster, so you have to move with it. Yeah, I, uh, it's a really good point about. Guys, both making great points. Um, <laughs> cancer. Uh, one of the maybe the things that doesn't really get represented or, or given enough attention, I think, with cancer is the is the the adaptability. Um, also, the the initiative of cancer is that cancer is. Um, as a sign that's dealing with the most change being ruled with the moon, it um, it has this ability to adapt to things, but it can also respond to changes very well. And um, like any cardinal sign, there, there's a goal orientation there where it wants to start things, it wants to initiate things. And the creation orientation of of cancer you know uh, you do get a lot of like creative types with cancer it is let's say a big part of what cancer people are like and, and cancer just as a sign signifies because you know when you're t- tuned into all the subtleties of how to make something grow how to make something prosper you are well positioned to, to create things and make things happen yeah and then you think uh cancer like you were saying earlier tristan with the signs having um you know looking at the signs that uh, a sign has relationships to like Aries on the 10th house, you know, it's, it's a little more action oriented in it's, um, intentions. Yeah. They're, uh, both, both cancer and Capricorn are good signs, good entrepreneurial signs. Mm-hmm. They're good at growing businesses. Um, and I see it a lot in, uh, entrepreneurs and people who run their own businesses. Mm-hmm. I see both cancer and Capricorn come up a ton cancer, even more than Capricorn. Um, they're good at managing with Capricorn. It's that like, yeah, Capricorn is, has that like organizational quality and is good at like managing resources and, and um, you know, making something out of very little and preparing for scarcity. Whereas Cancer um, is like very good at, like you said, they're, they're tuned into the subtleties um, and good at like creating growth, at making something grow from like you know, a seed to a fully grown plant. And so they're good at sort of like growing and caring for um, a new business and like sticking with it and like responding to, uh, you know, all the sort of crises and changes that get thrown their way. Yeah. Responsive, attentive, very cancer. Mm-hmm. What Tristan was saying earlier about these, the, um, maybe socially our relationship with sensitivity and I, you know, I've had like clients with like really heavy cancer placements that just look at their cancer placements, like they're, um, like an affliction and it it's, a I can't help, but, um, look at, at, at cancer planets differently because, you know, it is, it's a benefic kind of sign. It's a, a nurturing kind of sign, but it can be hard for cancer planets, uh, to deal with harshness, to deal with all the heaviness and harshness that is going to exist in life period. It's just kind of there. Um, Mm -hmm. And being uh, so tuned into the subtleties, being so sensitive is a hard 
Uh, it's hard to be, and it's not really tolerated very well in society. You know, we're not really um, um, rewarded in society for being tuned into our own wants and needs. You know, you got to go to work, go. Are you tired? Too bad. Go to work. You have to pay your bills. You know, we live in a much more Capricorn um, world than maybe a, a cancer one in yeah. many ways. Yeah. That's why I think that this axis ends up being so important um, because it's really de describing like just the nature of like living beings is that, you know, staying alive in a world where um, scarcity exists, the conditions are not always right for life everywhere. And it's just a fact of reality. We live on a tiny ball, really, in the grand scheme of the universe that is, just happens to have all the right conditions for life. But even within that tiny ball, there's all sorts of threats. Mm -hmm. And responsibility is mm -hmm. crucial. Yeah. Very Capricorn. And but Cancer, too. Cancer is also very responsible for the growing. And can Capricorn's more responsible for, like, preserving resources. And, yeah, I can see that with yeah. both of the, these signs that are very responsible um, taking on too many responsibilities sometimes. There's a lot of maturity in both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think people overly baby cancer a little or babyfy significations of cancer because it is actually archetypally maybe most associated with, with mothers, like the, the mature mother, mature feminine figure that is taking care of people in like a, a soft, inclusive, nurturing way. It's queens. Yeah, there's a there is a royalty to to cancer, right? It's like the sun and the moon are the the luminaries. They are, you know, the two sort of monarchs um, of the heavens and they're equal, right? Like mm -hmm. the moon is um, it's sort of the closest thing that we have in astrology to a symbol for the earth itself, you know, or the moon um, is, you know, the one that absorbs the light of the sun and uh, together, you know, those two things create life. You know, the the moon is basically part of the earth. So in a way, like our the moon becomes a symbol of like the earth's relationship with the sun. Um and both of those, that's they're they're the sort of rulers of life, right? So there is like a a royalty and an authority um to cancer that I think has gotten lost a little bit mm. in modern astrology that was acknowledged in ancient astrology. Um and um, I'm glad you also you brought up the adaptability piece because that's another thing that I think gets we we think of Gemini as being the most sort of flexible adaptable sign which it certainly is but um, the moon actually moves even faster than Mercury mm -hmm. and uh, in ancient ast astrological texts that gets really emphasized in descriptions of the moon um, and I think there's one of the might have been Abu Mashar who describes the moon as as being like a, a king with kings and like a servant with servants where, um, you know, the moon is able to sort of take the shape of, you know, wherever they are. And I think that's that's a very Cancerian quality too. like, you know, cancers often f seem familiar to you in some way. You feel comfortable with them easily because they sort of blend into their surroundings in a way that makes you feel like, oh, you're they're part of of this, like 
you know, a cancer can can slip into a fancy dinner party and everyone just assumes that, you know, they belong there and they just kind of, you know, are able to um, adopt the mannerisms of the people around them. And then, you know, they, they can also, uh, you know, be in a, a completely different uh, circumstance. You know, they go to a sports game and they just, you know, blend in with all the like crazed fans and like sort of adopt those mannerisms and everywhere they go, they can kind of seem like a familiar face. Yeah, I think y'all both kind of touched on this. I think we've touched on it a few times, but um, just with cancer being kind of like um, babyfied or not taken as seriously in a lot of modern astrology or like people coming to astrologers with a lot of cancer placements and, you know, kind of dreading it. Um, I think there, I think there has been, um, I think, I think part, part of it is like, just like how we see gender too, like cancer and Capricorn are heavily gendered signs. Like Capricorn is seen as like male, masculine, the king or dad, daddy energy. Ca- cancer is like more like mommy energy. And it kind of just sh- goes to show like how, how undervalued those like kind of motherly traits are that, that that's how we kind of see cancer all the time. Like cancer's like stereotype is like really clingy or needy or like the, um, the overly doting mother. And like, those are some aspects of cancer, but that's a very limited view. And I think it, kind of just shows like how we undervalue the the kind of skill that it takes to be a mother or to like be someone who's like nurturing and what, whatever gender you are. Um, it, it just makes it very limited, limiting um, when we kind of like overly gender those signs. Like as much as I, I do kind of see some distinctions, like you, but you can, you can have, have like traits of Capricorn and be kind of like the protector, or like the more stern one. And, and it doesn't matter what gender you are. And it's the same with cancer. And I think, that's just kind of the reflection of the society we live in that we need to um, take those traits of cancer more seriously of these like nurturing qualities. Yeah. It's like, I, I feel like the way um, cancer and Virgo in particular uh, get stereotyped is a really huge reflection of how much misogyny and femphobia there still is in our society. Like those are still huge problems. And you look at the stereotype, like Virgo is the only sign that is actually depicted as a woman, um, mm, you know, it's supposed yeah. to be like the maiden and cancer is associated with mothers and queens. Um, so, you know, they're the both sort of most explicitly uh, feminine signs in the way they're usually characterized. And, you know, cancer gets described, like you said, Bonnie, as clingy and needy and, um, you know, like hysterical, like over emotional, you know, having disproportionate emotional reactions to everything, being oversensitive. And Virgo gets stereotyped as being sort of like the nagging shrew. Um, And it's like, how how much do we hate femininity as a society that like that the reason we describe the science this way is that we still need to examine some of that like we uh fear or hate or don't value qualities that we associate with women or with femininity um and so i think it's like it's really unfair uh Mm -hmm. to cancer to kind of get you know those stereotypes because they are they are definitely sourced in a in a bad place in terms of like how we culturally understand certain traits like you know being nurturing is seen as being less important um you know being being the person who uh raises children or like takes care of the house is seen as like somehow less important work and not worthy of like being paid or conferring social status upon people who do uh you know a lot of emotional labor a lot of domestic work um things that are associated with cancer or virgo um 
you know, like we have practical chores and stuff like that get associated with Virgo. Cleaning gets associated with Virgo. And it's like we undervalue those things and we associate that as like women's work still to an extent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All really amazing points. I think that what people maybe get wrong with cancer is it's it's all um, cancer is about like getting things just right. Like it's just the right amount of stuff, not too much or too little. It's just what you need, you know, that, that is really kind of the essence of cancer. And I think to most people, and even imagine like the other signs looking at cancer, like, oh my God, that's so much work. Why, why do you need so much? You know, why does, <laughs> why does it, this need so much attention? Why are you so sensitive? God, how many people have you heard, whether you're a cancer rising or not? <laughs> Say, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you're too sensitive. Why are you so sensitive? Like you were already saying before, Tristan, it's like, yeah, it's, it's not about being too sensitive. It's actually because, you know, your skin is being damaged as much as, as any others when it's being scratched um, or, or stabbed. <laughs> it, it's, uh, uh, it's just being tuned into it. It's like, it's like the sort of tough guy culture, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, yeah, where it's like, it's macho, you know, it's okay. The, um, I don't know if you two have seen all the like jokes going around of fellas. Is it gay too? <laughs> the there's just so many cases on social media where like, you know, typic- typically, you know, straight says guys very seriously are like, you know, worried that it's gay to love your wife too much <laughs> or to like put on sunscreen or to wear glasses. Like there was some tweet by someone who's like, I don't want to you know, be with a guy who wears glasses because that's too unmanly. And someone oh responds like, fellas, is it, is it gay? Is to it to be us? able to see like is it gay to see <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's sort of like that where like you know if if you're going out on a sunny day and the uv index is really high you should put on sunscreen because your skin is sensitive to damage and it will die like your skin cells will like develop into cancer if you do not take care of your skin <laughs> not the good kind. and it's like but the manly thing to do is just don't wear sunscreen like real men don't wear sunscreen you just like go out there and fry in the sun like a man <laughs> i feel like that's sort of it mm-hmm. reminds me of the the discourse about yeah. cancer in astrology circles a little where we're like complaining that cancer is saying put on sunscreen it's kind of so funny your skin doesn't i like grew cancerous. up with that so heavily and like all that that mentality and that thinking and like that concern about like is this is this gay is this not manly enough is this or that and that's yeah. why uh i love being a grown-up because i don't have to give a shit about that anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that with was, that oh sorry go ahead bonnie i mean I with that example yeah with that example tristan it's kind of funny because like if you have sunscreen you know and you are going out in the sun you have that resource available and like it just makes you know common sense to realize that the sun will fry your skin and you should put on sunscreen like when when saturn is being kind of like um stingy with resources it's because there's some kind of reason for it like with, mm-hmm. with capricorn it's like oh we don't have enough food we have to eat a little bit less it's not like man up and eat less food it's more like yeah we just have to stretch this out for as far as we can so that kind of you know that that example you're giving about like um cis straight men's like you know um their fixation on not appearing gay or not appearing too sensitive is like completely needless because like if they have the resources available Cancer is just like, why not use the sunscreen? Like, you know, it's like, it's hot outside. The sun is really not good for your skin. It doesn't take that long to put it on. It's like, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Think of like cancer as like a, you know, it's a, a well-cooked meal, like made exactly tailored to your 
nutritional needs, but like Capricorn's like uh, all purpose utility knife or something like that will, it'll get you food. It'll like, like that you kill stuff. You can use it on everything in any scenario. And that's like the strength of Capricorn, but you know, it, it, it's not really um, going to fill your life with, with comfort and joy, you know, either. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Did you have anything else that you wanted to say about uh, these two signs, Bonnie, before we move um, on? Yeah, I feel like I need to round it out with something about Capricorn I know, we, yeah. We've been really protective of what, cancer. No, I really enjoy it because, like, I feel like, yeah, cancer being on my descendant, I'm kind of blind to it. So I'm, like, now I'm, like, realizing all the ways that I do have a lot of cancer in my life. Um, and, it, yeah, and it's really We have helpful. a really strong moon, um, right? Taurus. yeah yeah so it's yeah it's a very yeah so my moon is in taurus and that that rules my seventh house so that yeah that is something i've been thinking about it's like very prominent mm-hmm. there i mean i think that yeah capricorn is kind of stereotyped as like you know being um like very serious and like you know in a lot of ways it is but there i think that yeah there is the symbolism of capricorn being like the mer goat like mm-hmm. the goat with the little mermaid tail so there is like a bit of a, like a magical goat. component too like cap like capricorn is a builder and so you know even though they are like i think we have talked a lot about like you know capricorn making use of fewer resources but they also want to create something so there is like some creativity there it's like different from cancer creativity which is more like I, l- I love that cancer is ruled by the moon because there's so much like flow. Like I can imagine like if you're, if you have a lot of cancer placements, like the moon moving through the signs, it's like a great way to, in- to get in tune with your creative energy. But with, with, you know, Capricorn, I think like they really want to build something or create something and they want to build something that's like going to last for oh, a yeah. long time. Like have, they want to have like a long, a long game vision of what they're going to create, whether it's like, um, you know, resources for their, like their loved ones or a business or some like a creative hobby. They, they're, they're kind of like all about taking the long road, even if it's harder, like the the mountain goat, I mean, the goat going up the mountain, they're going to take the the longest, hardest route possible, but they're going to learn a lot from it. So um, I think also like with both of these signs, like, I think I've said this before, responsibility is like a big mm-hmm. component too. Like they they take what they do very seriously, both of them. Definitely. Well, they're like they're life and death, so it's like everything is like everything is life, life or death, or death yeah. when you're in either of these signs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good point. Like, I feel like both signs will treat uh, things that aren't life or death as kind of life or death. <laughs> hey, now, <laughs> I would. I, yeah, that's thing. what I've heard um, from these people. <laughs> Wouldn't know anything about it myself. <laughs> Shall we, shall we, Leo and Aquarius? Yeah, yeah Luke, you want to do a time check? Yeah, are you up for Leo and Aquarius? Or I think I've got one more set in me. So that means we have to record for just Pisces and Virgo after this. Maybe we should save the two together. We have Leo and Aquarius, and then we have um, Virgo and Pisces. If we're going to record one more time, then it might make sense to do the two of them together. So we're not just doing one. All right, so let's do that. Let's Let's record another and do Leo Aquarius Virgo Pisces and give them the same uh, love that we've given the other give signs. Them all the attention. And yeah. it'll be in Aquarius season when we do Leo yeah. Aquarius. Yes, that would be very appropriate. Um, we should probably do a little wrap up for this one then real quick. Sure. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, what do you have going on, Bonnie? Anything new since the last <laughs> last uh, last episode? I, I'm not quite sure when this is coming out, so I'm gonna just say my usual things. Uh, yeah. So on Insta- I'm on Instagram and Twitter um, as Mayday Astrology. So um, yeah, I appreciate any follows there. I'm still setting up my social media and going to be opening up to doing readings soon, but not quite yet because I'm still doing a little bit more studying. Uh, but I am doing some facilitation, uh, co-facilitating some classes at the Stardance Mystery School on Patreon and Discord. We have a, a Discord classroom and we're um, doing a class called Queering the Planets. And it has a few different um, tracks. We're going to do the personal planets and the social planets like Jupiter and Saturn and then the more generational planets, um, Uranus, Neptune, uh, Pluto, and Chiron. Um, and then after that, we're going to do some other classes on the houses. Um, so check it out on Patreon at Stardance Mystery School. Um, and yeah, just like follow on Instagram and Twitter. And I think I'm eventually going to start going on Twitch and just like answering astrology oh, yeah. questions. So I'm working... I'm going to be announcing that on my Instagram and Twitter eventually, but I think I'm going to do Thursday nights and just like, you know, giving like little mini readings and answering people's questions and, um, you know, just getting more practice with giving, giving readings um, when I eventually open up to doing that. Oh yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. That's super cool. And I also uh, want to uh, hype up stars dance mystery school. It's a really great group of people. Yeah. So it's, so we had, yeah, we have a Patreon. Um, and so with the Patreon, there's a few different tiers. Um, the uh, the Planets and Moon one is where you can like take the classes. And I'm also going to be offering a seasonal electional mm-hmm. packet for rituals um, or political action. The first one's going to be Mars and Capricorn, as I, I mentioned a little bit about that before. Um, so I'm really, really excited about that because uh, electional astrology is so much fun. And I'm, uh, I've joined a Discord group recently about oh, electional yeah. astrology, so I'm learning even more. I'm just like really jazzed about it. Um, yeah, so there'll be like electional packets. There's also like meditations um, for like embodying the signs and like moon journal packets for going through the moon si- cycles and um, setting intentions. Um, so there's a lot of fun stuff and there's different tiers. So if you wanted to do just a few things, you can do the lower tiers. But if you want to take the classes and join and all that fun, you can um, join under the gods and planets. Yeah, God. Sorry, not gods and planets. Moon and planets <laughs> tier. I think of planets oh, as gods now. Was- planets, gods. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like we didn't actually do this last time, and we should. Is um, probably, I mean, by the time this comes out, we're, we'll have a name, I think, for the club that uh, we are going to be starting. Tristan, I, and Shay are going to be starting um, on the Clubhouse app or discussions on um, tarot as well as um, probably biweekly astrology forecasts, um, conversations, discussion groups that you can participate in, and it'll be totally free. So there'll be a link as soon as uh, the club exists, <laughs> hopefully by the time this comes out. Yeah, I think I think by the time this comes out, the club will definitely yeah, exist always, and yeah. we'll find a link to yeah. it. Yeah, follow on notes. Instagram. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> or, yeah, you can uh, follow Kyle and I Yeah, because we don't know what's going we'll on by the it. time this comes out. So just follow us on Instagram. This is something that I'm really keenly becoming very, very aware of that I just have no sense of how long. I can't tell anybody how long something's going to take. Can't. I can't do it. 
And if I do, it's going to probably take longer. So I try not to say anything, (laughs) (laughs) but, but yeah, hopefully soon. I think, yeah, cancer rising is like, it's going to take as long as it's it's going to take as long as it's going to take. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Yeah, Capricorn like you can't, has a schedule. Cancer's like mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's like cancer's like you can't rush like the process. Yeah. Like it can't be too fast or too yeah. slow. It has to be just right. And Capricorn's like we have some deadlines. We have like short term goals, long term goals, and these are the dates. And this is the date we promised, and then it has to come out. During I love this that. Date. That's that's perfect. Actually, that's <laughs> even though you can add this add this portion into yeah. the, the Capricorn. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I always have Saturn bearing down on me, but I still nonetheless can't. <laughs> Sorry, Saturn, I can't. I can never please you. Um, yeah, what do you have going on, Tristan, for you personally as an individual? Um, for me for me personally as an individual, wow, this got uh, <laughs> in a really bare all on yeah. this episode. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to demonstrate some true Cancerian vulnerability and just start spilling my feelings and details of my personal life. I've been life crying a lot lately. On this podcast. <laughs> uh thank you um i will say uh and also like definitely check out stars dance mystery school on patreon um their discord server is excellent and uh especially if you are uh queer and love astrology it is a super awesome uh queer space um as for what I personally have going on, uh, just the usual, you can find me on social media, on Tumblr and Instagram at Bad Sign Astrology. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Bad Sign Astro. I'm not super active on there, but today I kind of had this thought, like maybe I should try it again. Join so, me on Twitter. <laughs> join Bonnie on the dark side. Yeah, uh, it's fun. So follow me on Twitter and interact with me so that I have a reason to use my Twitter account that I never use. Please uh, and thank you, people of the world who are listening to this podcast. Give me a reason to use that account. (laughs) And if you want to book a reading with me, I do uh, natal chart consultations. I can do synastry and uh, some like short-term forecasting. Look at your upcoming transits. Uh, You can book a reading with me on my website at badsignastrology.ca. Awesome. Yeah, I want to say likewise for me on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I, I do have a Twitter. It's so big and like noisy and it's a big scary world for me. <laughs> I feel like it's, it's, feel like it's just scary. a little, I'm just a little scared of Twitter. Can't, can't handle it all. <laughs> world is too large. Instagram is like, all right, I can I can handle this. But um, yeah, I actually can't remember what my handle is though. I think it's just Kyle B. It'll Pierce. It'll be in the show um, notes. Pretty sure. <laughs> but I'm going to... I'm going to bug you. Yeah, do it. Encourage. Yes. Prod me. Yeah. Give me a reason to be there, please. (laughs) But uh, yeah, you, um, as usual, you can book a reading with me at um, KylePierceAstrology.com. Hopefully by the time this is out, I will have my uh, Mars research article published, which um, I know I said this, when did we release the science episode? I mean, that was what, like August? That was years and years it ago. It feels like years ago, yeah. It was in the Middle Ages. Yeah, I know. It was like an eternity. But um encourage people to check it out because I'm pretty proud of it. I think there's some uh, interesting scientific research that will prove astrology once and for all uh, for the world. And yeah, no, I'm kidding. But um, check it out. It'll be cool. You can find it on my website. 
and probably other mediums that I can't think of, but check the show links. And um, I talked about the club and that's about all I got. So yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Can't wait to have Monty back for the next final science episode. Woo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I like the enthusiasm. <laughs>If you have a question you would like to hear answered on Astrology Hotline, you can leave us an email at astrologyhotlinepod at gmail.com.